Welcome to the Blue Beer Z podcast hosted by yours truly. My name is Eli. I hope everyone is having a wonderful night. If you're new to the car scene or new to podcasts, you're in the right place. We're going to be talking about everything from first builds all the way over to blown motors. So here, I hope you're willing to stay for the ride. This will be our first episode on the general state of the car scene. Join here today with me. We have two wonderful guests that will have their shared thoughts on this topic, starting with Andrew and then Daniel. Would you guys please introduce yourselves? Good evening, everyone. My name is Andrew. I drive a 2010 Audi A4. Hey everyone, my name is Daniel. I drive a 2016 Scion FRS. Wonderful, wonderful. So I'm going to first start by asking you guys, either one of you can answer first. Um, why did you choose to get those specific cars? Andrew, if you'd like to go first. Um, originally, it started out as a uh, commuter car. Um, my truck just sucked down way too much gas. Um, and next thing you know, I ended up putting a bigger turbo in and wide body in the car and now I'm back right. as my daily. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, Daniel, do you want to talk um, about yours? Yeah, for me, I mean, I uh, actually moved here to the States about 10 years ago. And so I saw the FRS driving on the road and I was kind of intrigued by how it looked and everything. And um, I promised myself that was going to be my first car. And when I turned 16, I went and leased a brand new uh, FRS right off the showroom and wide bodied it literally like <laughs> the the like the month that i got it and everything um oh but, man yeah yeah it was, it was kind of risky but where are you from originally if you don't mind me asking pakistan pakistan oh that's cool yeah. that's cool yeah yeah so i mean I, I saw the car driving on the road i really liked it and uh i told myself i was gonna buy that car i, I was between a couple cars at the time because um i just got into the car scene kind of pretty early in my life so yeah right oh, i totally get that um we're going to move straight into um, what made you get into the car scene. So um, we know now why you chose to get that specific car. But is there a reason that you got into the car scene specifically? Like after you started getting your car, started building it up, was there any other reason? Um, for me, there was, I mean, it was kind of just a day by day kind of thing. Once I got it, I mean, um, I just realized that the this platform that the FRS came in was really customizable to exactly what you wanted. No, like no two cars are the same. You know what I mean? Right. Um, it's a good Lego piece car. Exactly. Yeah. So you can kind of put it together. Um, the car scene, car scene wise. I mean, what made me get into the car scene was mostly go attending my first car meet, uh, kind of realizing how big the car scene here was and all the, um, love and support that people show for other people's builds and like how intrigued other people are by what you're working on. Um, right. that's what made me kind of get into the car scene. No, yeah, good points. Yeah. It's pretty similar to me and why I got into the car scene. Um, Andrew, you want to talk about yours? Yeah. Um, well, like I said before, I ended up getting my car as a commuter to save on gas. And then, um, it, it, it kind of started in high school. Uh, I spent hours just, you know, going on to like Subaru or Chevy building the Camaros and the STIs and, um, yeah, I guess that's how it kind of started. And then when I was looking at buying like my first project car, uh, freshman year of college or well, which is the Audi if that ended up being the project car. Um, right. it, it, I wanted to build something different and I love Subarus. I like really wanted one for a long time, but everyone in my town had a Subaru. So. I, I wanted to just kind of branch off and see what I could do with an Audi. And uh, 
I'm, I'm pretty happy with the outcome so far. There's still a lot more work to do on it, but um, always I, is in the cars. Then, <laughs> um, getting into the car scene, uh, it was a buddy that I actually worked with um, in real estate, and he had a 04 STI hatchback, and he took me for a ride in that. And that was like kind of the moment where I was like, all right, I'll, I'll go to a car meet, see, see what it's like. And next thing you know, I'm surrounded by a couple hundred cars and I couldn't just like not stop at every car and ask, like, what did you do to this? And that's kind of carried over throughout the rest of college so far too. That's great. It sounds like you both had really good introductions into the car scene. No real negativity. It was kind of just, you got sprung into an area that you found enjoyment in. Um, for me, I would personally say that um the car scene's somewhat positive but also negative in some other ways if you know what i mean like um i mean the most controversial thing out there right now uh which i know of is buying an automatic like sports car it's like frowned upon uh in the car scene you know what i say the manuals yep yeah i know the whole thing yep (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i mean um that's one of the negatives that I see in there. Um, positive, like some of the positives is like everyone does support your build. Um, mm. Depending on, uh, um, depending on like what you do to it and stuff like that. Not, <laughs> I mean, like if you're, I mean, in the car scene itself, a lot of people want to go for. As long sp- as you don't sprinkle enough, too much rice. Uh, exactly. You know, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, it, it, that's either going to make or break your view on the car scene. If how you like kind of what, what the feet, what kind of feedback you get from other people. Um, right. I mean, positively, like when, I, like I said, when I went to my first car meet, there was a lot of support and everything that I saw people at, like, uh, Andrew said, people are asking other people what they did to their cars or having a good time just talking to other people, meeting new people and, uh, respecting other people's builds. Um, but I personally, I would say it's like, it's, it's in a good positive and negative, uh, there's a good positive and negative, like, balance to it but right now as for me i see more of a positive outcome in the car scene just because i i mean (laughs) personally i don't really talk trash about other people um and i don't respect any in return you know what i mean yeah so you have a pretty good like positive outlook on it and uh you're pretty positive towards people yourself Actually, I wanted to ask you real quick about that um, that whole manual and automatic situation. So where do you stand on that? Do you care really or is it just eh for you? Well, um, personally, I do like driving manuals, but automatics at the same time are really nice too. I mean, right. um, I mean, if if you're if you're looking at, for example, like let's say a Z06 Corvette um, mm-hmm. in a manual, it's really nice to have, but also an automatic, it's awesome to have too. Um, just because, I mean, with automatic it's just you, you have constant power there's no having to like switch gears um no like lag between you switching gears you know what i mean um yeah. and especially in like the much much faster cars like um like let's say for the supercars or like the thousand horsepower supers or the skylines like automatic i think is the way to go in those kind of cars and so i don't i don't see having an automatic or manual as a negative um in my opinion and you wouldn't bash anyone for it, right? I can't say you bash anyone for it, but I would imagine. No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> personally, yeah you seem like a stand-up guy, positive attitude all around, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, will, I personally wouldn't get my car in automatic, the FRS in automatic, or like an STI in automatic, just because those cars are a lot of fun just because they're super responsive. Like, yeah. You can, yeah. So, like, I, I personally wouldn't, like, 
uh like uh having an automatic in those kind of cars but i wouldn't uh i mean i might yeah i might tease the person a little bit but of course it's not it's all positive okay yeah it's all like friendly banter yeah yeah exactly (laughs) andrew what are your stances on that how do you feel about the whole automatic versus manuals Uh, for me it's pretty split 50 50 like i don't hate on automatics because you know at at the end of the day it's it comes down to like what are you doing with your car and Mm -hmm. you know like you're talking about those big horsepower builds that people are doing like the twin turbo lamborghinis or the 1400 horsepower gtrs like having those automatic transmissions help a lot putting down that power and and that boost too i mean when you're talking about that much power going to the wheels you know you're gonna have something eventually fail but i I think it would be better off like just launch launching the car even um with automatics is a lot more efficient i would have to say especially with those shift points um when you especially when those transmissions get tuned too i mean those things will flip through gears like nothing um but on the other hand i do really enjoy driving a manual you know you feel like you're driving the car like you're part of the car not just sitting in it um right so I'm split 50-50 on that, but I don't hate on either because I enjoy both for different reasons. Um, and when I see someone pull up with, let's say, like an, an FRS like Daniel, you know, I know the automatics in the FRS, BRZ86, they're they're pretty good up to like, what, 350 horsepower for that. Yeah. You can still throw turbos and superchargers on and still have a great time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't really see a downfall besides that maybe that that connection with like the road, that driving experience that everyone feels who does drive a manual. Um, right. I, I guess that's my two cents, but I, I wouldn't really give anyone a hard time for owning one either. Yeah, that makes sense. And then kind of just following back onto Daniel talking about the car community. Um, I would have to say I'm kind of split 50-50 on you know the positivity and the negativity um i actually did one of my first big car shows i guess i did hot import nights up in colorado springs and Mm -hmm. i I was walking up and down the roads heading back to my car to sit down and i had my hood popped open and my turbo sits kind of below the engine or on the side downwards of the engine block and i remember this kid he was probably 15 or 16 tops and he, it looked like he was having a great time looking out of the cars, but when I was standing near him, I could hear him talk to his buddy and say, oh, this car is fully stock. Like, the only thing he did was his intake manifold. Like, there's nothing else done to this. But and Oh, so he was talking trash. Yeah, and I was just like, I mean, hey, where's your car? I don't see it. <laughs> Civic or something like that. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. But, uh... Like that, it just kind of hurt to hear that when, you know, when you put in a lot of time and effort and, you know, someone starts talking bad about your car, you're like, it's not a good feeling, especially when you hear it firsthand. Um, yeah, of course not. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I yeah, I'd have to say. And, and I think it's become really common, right? Um, people like just kind of glance over someone's build and it's really easy from their perspective to just talk trash about your build, but they don't know the time. They don't know the effort that you put into it. And then just for maybe it's just for you having the car is already a plus for you. Like you're already happy with that. Mm-hmm. And to them, they'll just find any reason, any reason to bash on it. But, you know, you don't know what someone else is going through in their life. And that car could be their one saving grace. That could be their just their connection. 
Well, uh, going back on it, like, so Eli and Andrew, like, for example, if I walked up to your guys' car, um, I know both your, both your guys' cars are wide-bodied, right? Yeah. yeah, that's great. Yeah, okay. So, like, if I was to walk up to one of your guys' car at a car meet or anything like that, I personally, I've gone through the experience of having to wide-body my own car and going through all that pain and hassle and money and all that stuff. So I can, like, of course, I'll, like, personally, like, some someone that's gone through the experience of building their own uh project and everything like that i'll i'll personally respect it just because um since i've experienced all that pain and stuff um i don't see talking other i don't see other people talking trash as long as they've experienced the hardships of actually building your own project right I, i think it's also um this is a key topic that i was thinking about actually um how the younger generations that are getting into cars now uh, for some reason, I don't know. They, I guess, they're clout chasing or whatever it is. It's, uh, it's cool to just um, takeovers, things like that. Um, and I feel like personally, I, I think it's ruining the car scene. Takeovers, I don't know, have been just causing problems from what I've been seeing in my feed and um, from personal people I've talked with. It's just been causing issues. And I don't know if you guys saw there was a takeover actually in California in San Fran. And um, it was on a major highway. And because it was on a major highway, it was actually blocking access that an ambulance needed to take the highway to get to the quickest way to the hospital. And because of the takeover blocking the main entrance and exits to the highway, they um, they weren't able to make it and someone almost died from it. Luckily they lived through it, but you know. Yeah, I, uh, I have to agree with the takeovers. Um, it was about a year ago, I was down in San Diego visiting a buddy um, that goes to San Diego State, and I uh, drove my Audi down all the way from Colorado, and I was super excited to go to a meet down there, and this was before I had my car wide-bodied, and I just was excited to go into an area that has a lot more cars, a lot more culture, I would say, um, you know, bigger population, like you were talking about in San Francisco for those takeovers. Right. And when I was down there, it was a Friday night, we were all getting ready, washed up the cars, and... Uh, my buddy gets a call and says, Hey, uh, the meet's canceled. There's a bunch of people trying to do a takeover right before the meet and the cops are everywhere. And that was like really unfortunate to hear because as someone who traveled, you know, multiple States to go see some really cool builds that people are working on, it, it was kind of a disappointment at the same time to, you know, get there and actually not be able to take it all in, I guess. Right, it, it kind of ruined your experience, your experience that you went there for. Yeah. Right. Uh, Daniel, how do you feel on takeovers? What's your stance on that? Um, personally, I haven't been to any takeovers or I haven't really heard of many here in Colorado. Um, I, I've just kind of heard of swing shows um, in Denver where they kind of close down the streets and just kind of do burnouts, donuts, all that stuff. Um, Mike, from... I mean, from seeing that, I do see that it kind of does ruin the car scene just because many, if many people are going to, uh, I mean, like a lot of car enthusiasts are actually, I would say a little skeptic of like getting pulled over, getting ticketed for the dumbest reasons. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so like it, those kind of takeovers really kind of ruin, um, our experience with like the public, for example. So like there's people that are, um, like also like uh, police and like law enforcement. So they'd be more inclined to take at you, get you in trouble 
if there's a lot of crap going on around your city you know what i mean um, right so like i have a buddy down in arizona where, where they have swing shows like those like the donut stuff all that crap every single night almost and he get he, he's gone through so many tickets just for even tent on like just a truck so like there yeah just because of just because of those shows and everything like that it's kind of ruined the picture of like the car scene and eyes of law enforcement and also like the public that they don't see uh they don't see it as a hobby they see it as more of a crime do you know what i mean yeah i could definitely see it moving towards that um I think the more it gets uh, more news coverage and the more people that start talking about it online, especially it's easy to kind of change the stigma to where it's a hobby to becoming something of a criminal act. And sadly, that's what it seems to be snowballing into. But um, I know a lot of people are still trying to save it. And I'm happy to see that there's a lot of positivity that's still being spread throughout the car community. And um, even with the like charity meets, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Charity means are a great way to, you know, advertise that people are just here to look at the cars. It's a good cause, you know, give back to the community. And um, I think small things like that are what really start bringing back a good name for the car community. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree on that one too. I think there's um, there's a lot more that could be done, but for now, uh, I think small little steps like that is what's going to make a big difference in the future for us. I don't know if you guys have anything else to add on top of that, but that was my kind of two cents on it. Yeah, I definitely agree that like having kind of more charity events because with charity events, it's just like a normal car show, but you're also raising money to help uh, fund a good cause. So that's right. in, in view of like law enforcement, public and also like the car scene that I, I see that as a very, very positive thing. Uh, one thing I actually noticed, uh, you guys have probably heard of it, like Omaze, I think is what it's called, um, where they like do a car giveaway, but the money that they receive goes to charity of some sort um they pick the charity and all the proceeds go to that like i think that's a really cool thing that they're doing um i mean we've all heard of 8080 and how you buy their apparel and you have a chance to win you know a gtr or a lamborghini or whatever it may be um i was just really cool how this company took a different route to use it as um i i just want to say good pr for the car community to show that like you know we're not just kids that are you know boosting their cars or anything like that like we're actual enthusiasts that you know care about our communities that we're in especially the car community definitely definitely a strong point and i think uh the more we keep moving forward with these small little good acts and positive attitudes i think it's what's really going to make the difference for us um personally with um with what you just said about um what was the name of that company? I'm sorry. Oh, oh, May, oh, Hayes. I think it's called Omaze. Um, Omaze. I'm sure someone will correct me. But. I think um, a lot of people also see those kinds of posts as um, as more positive, right? Just like how you were saying, mm-hmm. and it's um, it's it's getting a lot of traction from what at least I've seen, like 8080 and um, Tuner Cole, all those people that kind of just advertise like hey like you win this car by doing this or this and then they give back to charity i think it's just a positive start all right so um now we're going to move into our third conversation for tonight it's going to be tips for beginners so this area is where we want to focus on we can talk about tips that can help you for with your first new build or uh, what not to do specifically um areas to avoid and areas that can just help you grow so, uh, Daniel, do you want to start with maybe one tip that you would focus on when starting with your brand new build? 
Um, one tip that I would probably tell beginners from experience would be definitely find a reputable shop to work with because there's only so much you can do by yourself that you don't you might not have access to equipment or anything but like find a good shop that you can rely on and you know that they'll do a good job just because i've gone through a, a couple shops in my build and they've been kind of disappointing to be honest somewhat right. um and um just like recently when i repainted my whole car it that took about a year if i'm saying and i um uh, just a year for the car just to be sitting in the shop pretty much i was told it's gonna take two three months to do it but like at the same time they're like they were just tacking on charges which they weren't telling me um so i ended up overpaying so like just i i would personally recommend trying to find a good shop that you can rely on and trust with your build just because it's not it's not just a build it's your time and money that you've put into it and just by taking it to a, a shop that might might just be a little sketchy or anything like that that could ruin your whole car experience i 100 percent agree i personally uh have a shop that i go to all the time as of motorsports uh thank you guys for always helping me out um knowing a shop personally and getting someone to constantly work on your car they're going to know your car better than anyone else they're going to be able to tell you specifically what you need to fix if something ever goes wrong if you need help something recommendations and um, I think it's always important to have a good relationship with them. Maybe sometimes they'll toss you some freebies your way. Or if um, you ever have any questions, they might not charge you like other shops just to get you a diagnostic or whatever it is. So um, it's definitely a good idea to become good friends with a shop or just have a specific shop that you go to every time. Uh, yeah, Andrew, do you want to add? Oh, I'm sorry, Daniel. Go ahead. No, you're good. I was just saying I agreed. <laughs> <laughs> um, Andrew, do you want to add on top of that? Yeah, um, I, I guess my best recommendation is like do your research you know on your car um or the one you're looking at getting and that that was something i didn't really do a ton of research on when i first got my a4 um mm -hmm. you know because uh, originally like i said it, it was supposed to be a commuter and you know as i'm going down this road of building it and trying to make it a little faster and you know look good i also ran into problems like okay well like, i, I want to make 400 horsepower in my a4 but right. a lot of limitations to feeling on my car. And there's just not a lot of uh, aftermarket support for it um, compared to your guys' BRZ and FRS. Um, so that, that was definitely something I wish I knew before doing research. And then I guess the other thing is too, is like always have a buddy that's been in the car community for a while that's either running a similar build or year gen compared to your car. And you know, it's always easy to ask a buddy you know, for advice. And I'm not saying like they're going to be right all the time, but it's also nice to get a little insight from someone that's had that previous experience on working on their car or their build. Um, right. And I think that's like probably the biggest takeaway for beginners is, you know, you know, putting that little bit of extra time, you know, just doing that research and it's going to pay off massively in the long run. I want to recommend this to any new beginners, any first time builders. Don't be afraid to message people that you've seen builds online. If you see someone on Instagram, TikTok, whatever it is, and you really like the build or really like something that they did with it, and you have a question, maybe it's um, a similar car or something that could be put on yours, universal maybe. Um, don't be afraid to message them. Nine out of 10 times, at least in my personal experience, they will respond. They're more than happy to. 
you may find that one person that doesn't want to or doesn't respond but nine out of ten times they will respond and it's always good to get perspective on how something was done so that way when you go into it maybe they identified something that you might miss at the first time and this time you won't miss it because they told you how it goes so that's definitely something i would you know consider looking into uh being on the western slope in colorado there's there's not a lot of tuning options or performance shots down here um we don't even have an all-wheel drive dyno down here i'd have to go all the way to denver and visit blue water performance or probably like shorty's racing even um not to stretch yeah yeah to get my car dynoed and i even to this day i've had my car for two and a half years now and i have no clue how much power it makes um <laughs> <laughs> i'm on the same boat i haven't done it <laughs> which is funny um <laughs> So yeah, I would I would definitely say you know research is a big thing. And uh, Andrew, touching up on that research thing to kind of show you like a personal experience, when I first got the car and got my first wide body kit, I didn't do my research to be honest. I bought a replica kit. So buying a rep kit, it was literally like ten times harder to line it up with the car. Every pretty much every single thing that I had to do, um, and it just made everything so much more tougher. And it, because I didn't do my research, I didn't know rep kits fit that good. Um, I just thought, hey, they're a fraction of the price. I can wide body my car for even cheaper, you know? But um, I definitely thought the same thing at one point, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my car, I had to do quite a bit of bonder work because um, it's not really, there's no kits for um, the A4s really. So when I got my kit, it, it definitely needed a lot of work. So that's extremely relatable. And I would have to say uh, brand names are definitely a way to go in this industry um you know and obviously you can cut corners elsewhere but if you're doing any body work or aesthetics i, I have to say you know go with those brand names because they're trustworthy and if something happens they're more than likely happy to help out and you know fix that problem yeah i agree yeah i did i i ever learned that lesson that i bought an actual kit down the road after my car got ran into lessons learned <laughs> yeah all right. Um, now I got to ask a really important question. So now we help people know good beginner tips and area to focus on. But now what do you guys think is something that you should not do when you first get your car? Because I think this is just as important as something that you should focus on. Something you should not do? Something you should not do. Okay. Well, I would honestly... Don't cut your springs. <laughs> yeah. Don't do it. <laughs> well, like, do you mean like more like modification wise or just in general? In general, whatever you want to put out there. I would recommend kind of taking your time to learn the car, taking your time to like, hey, like kind of drive the car, kind of get in feel with it. Because um, I've driven many cars over the course of my life and each car handles very, very differently. Um, the first week I got my car, I went up to the mountains and went up to these really, really sharp snake roads, ended up uh, actually... Uh, so like I, um, it was like an asphalt road and I got over to, into it, it turned into a dirt road and I started drifting the car a little bit. And at that moment, I didn't know what my car was capable of. Um, right. And when I started drifting, I had my back wheels fly off a cliff. I somehow gained traction and ran into a dirt mound because I didn't know what my car's limit was. So like I, I personally would recommend just like kind of taking the time to learn how your car drives, how it feels, what the limit of your car is. Because if you're going to take a corner at some, like, for example, if you're taking a corner at 40 miles an hour in a truck, it's going to handle differently, 
in a truck or like a Camry or any, any other sports car, it's going to handle differently than it would in like, for example, like an FRS or like a A4 or anything like that. So, yeah. I completely agree. And um, I think doing your research is really important on that. Um, sometimes driving the car beforehand is going to be just as important as afterwards, because once you start modifying your car, changing up tires, it's going to feel different suspension, anything really, it's, your car is going to feel different. It's good for you to have a baseline to know what your car is supposed to feel like. So that once you start making those modifications, you know that everything's still all right. Or if something's gone completely wrong and you need to go to your mechanic and get it checked out. Yeah, I agree. I think the other thing too that I would have to say, like when you get your car and you're new to it, um, and let's say you went from a Camry to an STI, which you know is a pretty big difference in everything. I'd have to say, but uh, yeah. you know, one thing I have noticed with like new drivers or you know new people getting into the car community, getting that first project car, like I we all know driving fast is fun. But, you know, there's always a time and place to drive fast. And, you know, you don't need to weave in and out of traffic and go 60 down, you know, a main road when it's 35. Um, I think a lot of people tend to get carried away with that as well. Um, I, I guess that would be my advice. Like, you know, like it's okay to drive the speed limit. It's okay to, you know, just enjoy the car cruising. But, you know, the moment you have that chance where you can, you know, do a pull or something and there's not a ton of people around, I, you know, I think that's totally fine. But, you know, if you're in a crowded area or in a city, it's probably better not to because you're not just going to annoy other people. You know, it's right. you're, you're probably going to get called on or something. You know, there's always going to be that, I guess we would call Karen um, out there. And I, I think that's really important for, you know, newcomers into the community. It's like you don't have to drive it at max speed all the time yeah it's okay to drive your car like uh, a normal person <laughs> you don't need to show off all the time it's okay to just go the speed limit sometimes just go for a regular cruise mm -hmm. and i completely agree when you have a chance you know not too many people around don't endanger don't endanger other people for your own fun that's a big rule if you want to have fun there's no problem with that but don't put other people's lives at risk that doesn't make any sense and it's irresponsible of you so just keep that in mind whenever you're getting into a new car. Okay, I think we are all set for tonight. Um, I wanna give this time now for Andrew and Daniel for them to plug their social media. So if you guys wanna go ahead, plug your social medias, anything else that you would wanna shout out? Um, my Instagram and F, uh, TikTok is FR Society. And I just wanna thank um, pretty much all my sponsors that have kind of helped me through uh, building this car as well. Just they've been a big support and i wouldn't be here with them without them today yeah um for me it's just b8 bella on instagram and i think on tiktok it's b8 bella as well um i don't have any sponsors so uh, no shout outs there but if someone's listening i would not mind it <laughs> <laughs> okay you guys heard it here first thank you so much andrew and daniel for coming on for the first episode of car scene discussions um, you guys have been fantastic. Great talk, great information spread today. Uh, I want to thank everyone for joining me for this episode of Car Scene Discussions. Remember that you can join our guest list by emailing bluebrz here at gmail.com or messaging me on Instagram at bluebrz here. Uh, don't forget to come back next week for our next episode of Car Scene Photography. I'm Eli and I'm wishing you all a lovely night. Take care, everyone.